How are things overall in England? I, I realize I don't actually, I haven't talked in depth with someone from, yeah, from, with someone from England, like throughout this whole crazy time. And I'm like curious how things are there. Cause I feel like obviously I have yeah. my whole world of what's going on in the US and all the crazy things here, but yeah. I feel like I've heard also some crazy shit about England too, or at least London. Yeah. 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 Whereabouts are you in America? I'm in LA. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I actually was living in New York City when the pandemic hit and I moved to Las Vegas when the pandemic, like in April. And I spent like um, until November in Las Vegas. So the beginning stage of the pandemic, I wasn't actually here in England. Mm -hmm. And then since November, I've been back here or like between I came to LA actually for three weeks in April and then to Portugal. But then I would say at the beginning, it was kind of wild. So it was like, oh, like everywhere I was in complete lockdown and then came out of lockdown. And I don't know, it's been like in and out of lockdown. Right now, we don't have any rules or regulations. So you don't have to wear a mask unless you wish to. There's no like lockdown. There's just like, you can go to a coffee shop. Everything's kind of up and I'm running. There is only like rules around travel. So like if you leave to a country, if you're not vaccinated or if you are vaccinated, it's different in terms of like testing you have to do or quarantining that you have to do. Yeah, if you go to like a concert or something, like you have to show like your app or like your vaccination passport or like a negative COVID test. Right. And apart from that, like everything is pretty back to normal, I think, from what I've from what's affected me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is also, it like depends what like city town in and like the activities yeah. you're doing. It's crazy. Like I remember Definitely. in January of this year, I went to Tulum for my birthday. I mean, my boyfriend went and we were like, dude, like COVID's not a thing here. Like it's kind of dope. Like we were just out the beaches and restaurants and like it, they more so follow, like no, no one re was really going to enforce the rules and whatever. And it's also very outdoor. Yeah. Based, so it's like not as needed. It's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's just handling it differently. Like some cities and states here are like, no, we're, we're good. Like go back to your life, just whatever, choose, choose how you're safe. And other, yeah. other cities are like complete opposite and like have all these crazy rules in place. So yeah it's so wild and like it, every person is so individual as well like even in places you know somebody could be here and there's no rules or mandates and they could be really scared and fearful and you know still want to wear a mask or still stay isolated and that's totally you know everyone's each to their own and like what feels comfortable for you and yeah yeah a couple of weeks ago is when you were sharing a bit of I think you're talking about a bit about fear and just like choosing kind of mm. the way that you decide to look at the world and I I really liked it because I feel like we've normalized this idea that you should be afraid 24 seven and forgotten that that's not normal and like really bad for you actually will make you sick. And it's like, yes, your people are so tapped in to the fear complex that they think it's like that you're being a bad person if you're not afraid. And it's like, okay, there's... Mm a good use for fear, right? Like we need it as a natural response. Yeah. Like if there's a fucking bear running at you, you should be afraid so that you can run away and like act accordingly to be afraid all the time. That doesn't, 
that that's not good. Like you're losing logic. Like it just, it's not going to work for you. And it's also going to make you literally sick, both mentally and physically. And it's crazy how we've just normalized that. Yeah. It's so intense. It's so intense. And that, that is the literal thing of like, if you're not afraid, then you're dumb. It's like, no, 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 no. And I always catch myself, like, when am I, where am I choosing the fear narrative? Because it's really easy to slip into. And unless you're constantly asking yourself, like, am I, is this actually true or is this not true? Mm -hmm. Am I using this as a protection or is this a projection that's been put on me? And is this my truth? So for me, it's really important to keep checking in with myself of, do I choose to believe in this or does this actually feel right to me? Or if I pick this up from someone else or somewhere else that isn't actually aligned with my values or my truth or what feels right to me, because it's really easy to get outside influence of, you know, the news or even your parents or even your community or even people that you've seen on social media. Like you might respect somebody on social media and they might have a limiting belief or a fear that's you know, prohibiting them that they've then shared, which now because you respect them, even if it's subconsciously, you're now taking on that fear. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's really important to be like, okay, is this fear voice? And this can be like in any area of your life, like in business, I always check in with myself of like, okay, am I feeling afraid or am I feeling doubtful? Is this actually my voice or is this somebody else's belief or voice? And what do I choose to be true for myself and then change the narrative for myself? And usually it sets you so much free because it's never really your own voice. And when you connect back to yourself and you're in an uninner knowing, you can actually get a clearer perspective of what's right for you and what's real. You don't live under the fear of possibility. You live in the potential of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I really like the way you explained it because it's like, I think that's why what I've seen from, I started to follow and kind of be tapped into like the spiritual community and just like people Mm -hmm. on Instagram who are very conscious, just do a lot of whatever you want to call it, like inner work or just like tapped into their health and mindset and all these things. And all of those people, I feel like I've never seen a more like united front about just this concept of not living in fear and like understanding the nuance of that. Like there is a different Mm -hmm. truth per person. And there's, it's like how you explained it, where are you living according to what somebody else is telling you to do, but you can feel it in your gut that it's wrong. Like we know, even from a health perspective, like we're our own best expert on our own body and our own health and, and all those things. And so like, we know when it doesn't feel right, if someone is telling you to act a certain way, to avoid this, avoid that, do this, do that. And you're like, I don't know what it is, but that's just not me as a human being. And like, we're denying Mm -hmm. that truth. Like that's real. It's so, it's taking us out of like being connected to our, ourselves as like a nature, as being part of planet earth, this innate Mm -hmm. knowing that we have. And Mm -hmm. the fact that the people who are most in touch with themselves as a sovereign being, as an individual, but also as a member of a collective and like very consciously, you know, health conscious. The fact that those people are like, yeah, you should make your own choice. Like this is wrong to force people to do X, Y, Z. That to me shows these are people who are, they're not just like zombie walking around doing what everybody else is telling them to do. If you want to say like who you should take advice from, probably healthy, conscious, loving 
individuals, not people who are tapped into like fear and hatred and divide and want to cast other people as other and that person's evil. They're like a threat to you. That's a real truth. If it feels wrong in you, like that's for a reason. Yeah, I really agree. And I also don't think, I think it's all nuanced because I do think that there is like spiritual people who are also, who also project their beliefs. And so you can be, you know, you could get influenced by somebody who, like I was saying before, like who you look up to and respect, or you could get influenced by somebody who's in the news or like a fear narrative, like who's viewed as a hierarchy or a leader, like the government or something like that. You can get influenced by both. And you know, it's really is about coming back to your unknown because I do think that sometimes it can be spiritually bypassing if you're still putting your own decisions and your own knowing and your own individual choice into the hands of somebody else who might be more woke or more spiritual or more awake. It's always like, come back to what's right for you. Like what feels right for you? Like, because there is taking care of your body in like a health perspective. And there's also taking care of your mental health. So physically, if something would feel better for you to have ease of mind, then do that. Like there is no wrong answer for any individual. It's literally what's going to feel right for you in this moment. And it's really hard and challenging because it really does come back to yourself. And unless you are really tapped in and are not numbing out by everybody else's voice, which is incredibly difficult when we live in a a world of complete consumerism. You'd have to go like stay in a forest for a while (laughs) and like get off grid, come back to self, work through your shadow work, like do all of the stuff and then make an informed decision. Not just for like vaccines or things like that, but for everything in your life around, you know, what career do you want to lead? What kind of lifestyle do you want to live? How do you want to show up for yourself? How do you want to create something? What's your intention for being here? Like what's your purpose? And it can be really challenging. And I find it extremely challenging. It's my work. Like this is literally what I teach on. Like, what do you actually want? And like, why are you doing it? And why do you want it? And it's my biggest challenge. It's literally my biggest challenge. And I don't know if you're if you've ever heard of this before, but the things that we teach on, like the things that we coach on are always our biggest challenge. So it's hilarious because it's like, be careful what you choose to teach on because you're going to get so freaking tested in it. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you, are you sure you want to go there? Like, are you sure that you want to like face that challenge? Because in order for us to become the best teachers in our work and in our life, we have to experience it. And so when we say like, I'm running a workshop next week and it's called, what do you really want? And so now I'm being so tested in my life of like, what do I actually really want? Like, what do I really want? And in order for me to figure it out, this is the process that I'm going to lead everybody else through. And it's so much surrender in the journey of like figuring that out and in in the journey of teaching it because you have to go through the process yourself. And so it's never easy or... Yeah, you just get so tested. Have you yeah. realized, have you noticed that in your work? Oh, for sure, for sure. Like I gained this obsession with like communication and like kind of intersecting like personal growth with communication relationships. Yeah, because it ends up being that that's what I spend my time trying to improve because <laughs> realistically that's like what's going on in my life where I'm like, I need to, i obsessed with this because I have to learn it because I apply it all the time. I'll have a situation where I'm like, I'll go visit family for the weekend. And then I'll sit there and be like, 
fuck, this is a test about exactly what I'm trying to learn. And I need to figure out how to do this better. Yeah. It's funny because I, I feel like at least in the world of like coaching, teaching, mentorship, you end up being really drawn to the thing that you also are looking for an answer for. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. You're just going to like have to be tested. But I like that because then it sort of forces you to walk the talk, right? Like you actually have to practice what you, you, what you preach and like make sure that you're constantly working toward the thing that you're also trying to get other people to do. But it's kind of like the best way because you're constantly growing and learning and like you, then you translate all your learnings to help somebody else. And like, then it's just a cycle and then it's kind of dope. I think, you know, oh, you did a live with Jenny edition, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's, she's been on the, on the, on the podcast. She is so funny because I'm like, I had this realization a few months ago. I was like, dude, because you are like a manifestation advisor and coach, you're constantly in that world. So you get to like constantly perfect and get closer to, or not necessarily that you're getting closer to something, but she's just in that. So she inevitably becomes like a beacon for being the best at it for herself. And the same way, like you end up becoming an expert because you're like choosing to work on it all the time. And that's like, yeah. And you're like so job. aware of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cause if you're thinking about communication all the time, not even necessarily deciding to think about it, but you're just aware of it. Like if I was really like, let's say that I was teaching on, I don't know, like, let's say I was just teaching on, I'm trying to think, let's just say I was teaching on beauty. Then I would be really conscious. Like when I'm doing my beauty routine, like I would be like, oh, I'm putting this on because of this reason. And like, let me try this product instead. Whereas I literally have no idea about beauty. I'm like the worst person ever. So I, I don't really care. So it's not like a, a thing that I'm trying to perfect. I'll become an expert at. Whereas like, you know, when you're teaching on something or it is your desire to teach on this thing, you're becoming better and better and you're constantly viewing it and perfecting it and being in the situation and examining it and been like, why am I choosing this? Like, why is this happening? How can I teach that? How can I share that? Like, how can I put this into a story? What's the process that I just went through? Let me write it down. Yeah. Let me create a course <laughs> on it. It's like, there's so much going on when you're teaching on something because you're constantly thinking about it and you're I don't know but if you I'm sure you do but like I'm constantly thinking it when I like experience something I'm like oh that would be a great post mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> it's just like Danielle just you enjoy your up. life I know thinking of the content <laughs> yep been there for sure yeah and I feel like that's also when you know you're in flow state is like mm. when you the thing that you're doing for work is actually like lighting you up and you're like, but I actually just could spend hours working on this or thinking about it or teaching about it, telling other people about it because mm -hmm. you just have an innate draw to it. And like, that's, yeah. that's like the tough thing that people face when they're trying to figure out like, what do I actually want? Like, what do I do with my mm -hmm. life? Like, it's such a big yeah. question and we've all been so conditioned and like told to be like self-abandoning basically like I think Terry Cole she's the the boundaries boss lady she puts it so well she says like we've been raised and praised to be self-abandoning individuals to like please other people mm. it applies to so many things in life where it's told to be like selfish to take care of yourself and do the thing that you actually want 
but like we're fucking ourselves over because when you are doing things, doing things for other people and like doing things because you're told to, you're not like fulfilled. And then you're going to project and like be angry and resentful. And then that ends up hurting the people in your life. It ends up like hurting your productivity, like your work. It, it doesn't actually work out in the end, which I think now why people are like, I think 2021 has been named the great resignation. Like everyone's quitting their job. Apparently, like it's really mm. hard to hire right now. And people are just like mm. the turnover is, is a really high rate. Everyone's like, I have high standards. Like, yeah. People are like, you I'm know what? Like, new standards for my life. Yeah. People are like, actually, I, I don't really want to like sit here and like pretend that I enjoy doing blah, blah, blah work because like I'm feeling called to something else. And mm. I mean, I think that that's pretty cool. And like maybe, you know, even if like, it's not forever, like people kind of just need to like break out of the mold for like a few years and then they'll like go back to a different job or whatever. But it's like, finally it's becoming okay to actually go after what you want. Like it's such a, it's, I feel like for us, we're like, I'm fully in the world of like, I'm going to fucking do what I want. That's my operating mode now. But for some people, like that's not where they're at yet. And it's a crazy concept to like overhaul their life and be like, you know what? This relationship is not working for me. Or like this job is fucking draining me and I'm going to go. Mm. But everyone else in their life is like, are you insane? Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you quit? You have it all. Like you're, everything looks good on the outside, but on the inside, yeah. you're like, I don't know. Like something else is calling me. I don't know what it is, but I like, I need to go there. Oh yeah. I really, really, I had this literal massive unfolding of my life last year of like, I was in a really beautiful relationship. I was super happy. We'd been in this relationship for five years and we were due to get married last year and we had our wedding planned and then COVID happened. So we had to like put the wedding off a year and we moved to Las Vegas. We like lost our New York apartment and like everything was just like unraveling. Like my business that I'd been building for seven years, I no longer felt fulfilled in it. So I was like looking in new areas and the more I connected to my truth and started actually honoring myself and like what feels good for me, what doesn't, like where am I attached and where am I comfortable and where am I being dishonest with myself and like just trusting in myself, I realized that I just had a lot of attachments to things. And then I had this like massive whisper of desiring to be single. And I'm like, how can I do this? Like, I'm so deep. Like I'd moved from England to America to be with this man and like create this life together. We had everything written out and I loved him and he was, an, he is an incredible man and I have so much respect for him. And at the same time, I couldn't deny this undenying feeling of that I desired something different. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, I had to choose, like, do I dismiss this desire and pretend that it's not there? And do I suppress it and neglect it and just shove it down and ignore it? Or do I lean into the courage and the bravery and trust in this? And none of it made sense. Like none of it made sense. Like literally what you were saying, like on life, I'm on paper, my life looked perfect. Like I had yeah. the healthy relationship. I was due to get married. Like I have a great family. He has a great family. Like we have our dog together. We have like good businesses. Like we had the American dream ish or we were on track to have the American dream. And I had to really honor myself in this moment. And it was the most brave thing and the most incredible thing that I've ever done it was painful and I still like grieve it still, mm. but in all of it, it's like, how willing are you to, are you 
to listen to yourself and to trust in yourself and release in attachments that you have that you're using just to keep yourself comfortable. And when we can let go of like identities and attachments and codependency and safety that we have, that we're just choosing, even if it's not our full truth, we're choosing it to have that comfort and dismiss our truth. When we can choose to choose our truth, we get to choose pleasure Mm -hmm. and we get to choose like excitement and juice and magic. And we get to sit in the uncertainty of like what can be created versus let me like overanalyze and attach and cling on and like try and force something and you know control this narrative rather than just being like oh I don't know what the fuck is going on but like I'm just trusting and surrendering and like hoping and like having so much faith that what's on the other side of this is growth and magic and more beauty and like alignment And aliveness is my constant reminder of like, I'm in the pursuit of aliveness. And if something doesn't feel alive to me, then it's off. Something needs to shift, but it's really hard. Like it's really, really hard to lean into it. Yeah. I mean, that is so brave. So many people would not like that takes fucking balls, honestly, because yeah, like you said on paper and like, I'm sure even you probably still found like some happiness maybe in it, but you knew deep down, like really deep down that you were like, I don't know, but I have to like, I gotta go. The willingness to listen to that, be willing to break off and like forge your own path and do something that no one else can understand, but you know that you need to do. That's honestly what life is kind of should be about. Yeah. Why are we kidding ourselves? Like staying in comfortable a comfort if you're not this is my favorite tony robbins quote is if you're not growing you're dying like if you're staying stagnant like you're withering away and that's not the point like humans are constantly evolving like our body literally on a chemically level is constantly changing and to stay in the same place because it's comfortable and easy but you know deep down that you're doing yourself a disservice We have to embrace this idea that like, it's actually good and normal to break from things because we want more and different. The willingness to do that, I'm impressed by you doing that because that's just, I'm sure there are people who are probably listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I kind of also feel like a call and a pull to something else, but I'm scared because my mom is going to say this or like my partner's not going to get it or whatever it is. What are we doing with our lives if we're not willing to take the leap that will actually bring you the aliveness? Because it's life's not, it's not meant to be lived in this like vanilla safe zone where nothing ever triggers you and it's all flowers and you're just like comfortable in your little fucking bed and nothing ever changes. Like, You are meant for so much more and you actually will find happiness in doing more. And I feel like maybe that's what you discovered is you didn't even look back. You were like, actually, maybe this is the right thing. Like, how did you feel throughout it? Like, what were the processes afterwards? Well, firstly, I would just say that I could have stayed in this relationship and this life and been like really happy. Like I could have stayed and been, I wasn't like dissatisfied. Like I wasn't like miserable or anything. It was just a whisper that I couldn't deny or pretend and I had to lean into. 
And anybody who's currently there, like just so much compassion and there's no rush. Like I would, I didn't rush the situation. I didn't hear it today. And then tomorrow, like acted on it. It took months for me to like not be in denial about it and to have the courage to pursue it. Even to this day, there's parts of me is like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, literally, what the hell am I doing? And we live in a world right now where everything is uncertain. And to live, to like give up all of the certainty that I had to being even more uncertainty is really uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable. And there's days, well, overall, like if I look overall, I'm completely happy and proud and satisfied and excited about the decision that I made and I love what I've done and I love the growth that it's given me and the person who I've become in it and like the connect like the deeper connections that I have with my sisters and my family and the people around me by me being vulnerable because for my entire life I've always had my shit together and been like I have five brothers and I'm the only girl and I've always been the one who knows what she's doing who's ambitious who's going for it who has a plan she's on track like she's on schedule you know like having it all together to then come home and move back in with my parents and have this massive ego death identity crisis messiness vulnerability I felt raw like I would cry at the dinner table nobody knew what to do about it everyone's like oh my god (laughs) she's crying like how do we handle this like everybody loved my relationship everybody loved my partner like it was a lot process and get through and like it completely accelerated my growth work because I had nowhere to run to like I had no numbing out I couldn't numb out it was on the surface level of everything that I was feeling I couldn't deny it or suppress it and every time that I tried to it would just come out in other ways. Like I would, you know, try and numb out by connecting with other men. And then it would just be like, why am I doing this? This is unfulfilling. This is not actually my true desire. And thankfully, like I hired a coach and I had like a lot of support around it and had like people who I could lean on and share with and ramble with and like let it all out and tools and practices that I use to keep coming back to myself and keeping in trust But there's days where, you know, just like everybody, like not even because of this situation, but just because of life where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? What is going on? You know, where am I at? What do I actually want? Where am I suppressing or where am I denying or where am I self-sabotaging or leaning out and numbing out? And why do I need to lean in and feel into the resistance or lean into trust and allow myself to have it? I think this is a really big thing for women of wanting to play it small and not wanting to be seen or feeling like it's wrong to be seen or wrong to be successful or wrong to want more. It's like, just be grateful for what you already have. (laughs) Just be grateful for what you have. You're so lucky to have what you have. Like you don't need anything else. This is good enough. All of these narratives that were taught and over and over and over again, which are great and not wrong. Like you should be grateful for what you have and satisfied with what you have. But in this process, if you don't desire more, then what are you doing? We can be grateful for what we have, but we have to have some kind of motivation, some kind of purpose, some kind of passion that we're striving towards. Otherwise, again, we're not growing, we're settling. And for me, that's the most important thing is just to keep looking and reflecting of like, why am I doing what I'm doing and where am I heading and what do I want and why do I want it? And like, what do I need to do to create it? Yeah. I personally really resonate with the idea of working through, it's almost like, it's not, I don't know if shame is the right word, 
wanting more, that that somehow is bad. And I do think it's somewhat particular to women, at least like, let's say Western, like in Western culture, that like it's somehow shameful or bad to be like, I I want to be epic. <laughs> like I want more. Like I have good stuff now and like I'm I'm super grateful and present and like happy. But it's like what is wrong with wanting cuz really what it is to want more I think is actually kind of a almost you could spin it to say it's like a humble pursuit because you want the challenge of pushing forward. If you just stay where you are now even though like you can be grateful for it and everything in the end, like you're just being like, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm good enough now, which you are always are like good enough. But in, in the idea that like you're choosing to take on a challenge because to get more, to like receive more, you have to act like you have to do stuff. You have to get off the couch. Like you have to do things and like push yourself to go into discomfort willingly. The idea that we've been taught, like, no, just you have it good. Like why there's people, there's, People who are hungry, like, why can't you just be happy where you are? And it's like, there's nuance. It doesn't have to be like, why does my wanting more mean that I am hurting someone else? Like, that doesn't make sense. And I feel like that's also part of it in this, like, there's kind of a culture around like shaming successful people, especially if we somehow decide that they're road to success or their version of success is like not good enough. They didn't work hard enough for it. They didn't struggle enough. That's especially yeah. relevant today with the Demilios, like on TikTok. So I, I like, I'm not familiar with TikTok. So if I, in, with TikTok in general, like I don't actually use it. Like I have it on my phone because I'm like, oh, I should post a TikTok. And then it undownloads from my phone because I don't, that's how infrequently I use it. But obviously I'm aware of the Demilios. And they had the show on, on Hulu and I decided to watch 20 minutes of it. Cause I was like, okay, I'm just curious. What's the deal here? Like well, what's happening with these, you know, on the outside, it's like they're wealthy. Oh, it's so silly. They just got famous for their dancing. Like, oh, like fuck them, whatever. But I realized, you know what? They are good people. They seem like good people. If you, they're not like the typical, I think the Kardashians are pretty questionable. They're like very, they can just be like so materialistic and so complaining about random shit that you're just like, what? Like, I, I don't see how you could be like doing good with your fame. That's like just my opinion of it. But with the Demilios, what I found is they actually seem like a good family that's humble in the fact that they're willing to admit that some of their fame was, or most of it was pretty a- accidental. From the outside, it seems accidental. I think for me, I'm like, I feel like maybe that's just like what they were meant for. Like, that's just kind of what the universe had planned. And Maybe they were doing all the right things. Like, yes, they had privilege. Yes, they grew up well off, whatever their background is. But like, why are we going to deny and talk shit about their success when they're, they're, they took it and they ran with it and did good things with it? Like now they are trying to make, you know, either they make art out of it or they try to make a clothing line. Like they're doing work with what they've been given. And I think that that's, fine. I think that's a good thing. But there's this culture around being like, fuck them because they didn't struggle as much as I'm struggling right now to be famous or to do my thing. Yeah. Life is unfair. Unless we are pushing for like a socialist communist society where everybody gets the same thing, which I think like you can debate whether that's good or not. But currently 
life is kind of unfair, but like you have a lot of control over what happens to you. Yes. There's certain situations. I understand people can be born into whatever, like whatever. I'm just getting my point across because people can understand there's nuance and I'm not like, this is not yeah, a generalized yeah. statement, but we do this thing where we're like, they haven't struggled enough. I don't think that they deserve the success because X, Y, Z, why are we putting this energy into pointing fingers and saying like they should or should not? Why don't you focus on what you can do? There's just, I think you're losing energy, putting it into like the blame game and like the comparison game when maybe putting that energy into like finding why is it triggering you? Like maybe you can learn something from like, we've all done comparison, right? Like I've you know, you've done like the deep dive on Instagram. We're like, damn it. Like this person just killing it. And like, what am I doing wrong? Like every day. <laughs> yeah. Instead of me being like, screw them. They don't deserve it. Like I wish whatever. Why is that making me uncomfortable? Like maybe I am seeing something in them that I actually desire and that I could use for fuel. If you see the D'Amelios and you're like, they're crushing it. Well, why? That's not fair. Use it as inspiration instead of being like, God, woe is me. I can't make it because X, Y, Z. Well, there's so many factors of this is like the whole, they're not struggling enough is like the work hard mentality. And we've kind of been taught that in order to achieve something or gain something, we have to hustle really hard and it has to be difficult and it has to be grind and you have to like put in so many hours and make it happen. I don't know if you follow Jenna Zoe, but I love her whole philosophy around working gets to be easy and like, how can you make this pleasurable? And actually when you're in alignment, like your work gets to be easy and pleasurable. And when you're in that magnetic state of like welcoming stuff in, you're you're not forcing, you're not pushing, you're not resentful of having to work hard and putting in all these hours and you're making it a fun experience. You're actually going to bring in way more aliveness and alignment and abundance. And then I think the other area of kind of what you were saying of like, if you're ever judging somebody, it's always a chance for you to reflect inwards and say like, why am I judging them? What am I jealous of? Or what do I desire that they have in this moment? So You know, it might be that you desire to have the success or the fame or the attention or the money or the finances or the ease in the success that you're seeing in somebody else. That's why you get to actually figure out what it is that you want. So jealousy and judgment is not a bad thing. Like, I don't think it's bad at all. Mm. I think it's a great time for self-awareness. And I catch myself being jealous of people all the time. And rather than me being like, oh, they're they're such a bitch because they've got that. It's like, oh, they've got that. And I want it. Like I want it too. And thank you for bringing this awareness to me. And like, thank you for showing me what's possible. I have this statement that I choose to believe in whenever I'm rising or whenever I'm growing or succeeding or as I'm, you know, stepping into more and creating more, I choose to believe that by me growing and having and creating abundance in my life, it's to be an example and an expander for other people, not to take away from them, not at all, because as I grow and I succeed, I hope that it gives other people the viewpoint of like, if I can do it, so can they. And like, I get to teach on how I'm doing it so that it helps the collective to be able to do it too. It's never 
if you see somebody else succeeding and you're getting jealous or you're getting judgment, it's also a great time to look at why are you living in lack? Like, why are you believing? Like, where is your belief that because they're succeeding, it means that you can't? Or because they've got financial wealth, it means that you can't? Or because they've, you know, succeeded on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, that you can't? Use it as a as an example and an expansion of what's possible versus a lack of you not being able to achieve or go after that now because somebody else has. It's like so dumb. Yeah, yeah. I feel like... Also the perspective that you becoming more successful, working hard and and like, yeah, just gaining more success in whatever metric that is, is not taking away from anybody else and is actually to be in service to others. And like, in the end, I feel, I've been thinking about like, what are the different like life purposes. And there's, I think people tend to whittle it down to you have like altruism, which is like being in service to others. You have like hedonism, which I think is just like pleasure, knowledge, like just to enjoy life. There's some ego driven, which is like legacy, like how you're remembered. But in the end, I actually think you could argue that they all come back to being in service to others. Because even if you're, let's say like you're you becoming more successful means like you're really enjoying life and you are happy and like in an abundant state and just like literally giving out good vibes all the time. That in the end serves other people around you, makes you a good partner. It makes you a good friend, good daughter, good mother, like all those things, you being fulfilled and successful in your metric could be money-wise or career-wise or happiness-wise or relationship-wise, like there's many different ways to measure it, is actually in service to other people. And I feel like Mm -hmm. we pick out the people who seem selfish, like they're at the top, right? Take Elon Musk, who's sitting right behind me here. He gets so much hate. And he's. it's really interesting because in my view, like from what I've absorbed from listening to him on podcasts or just like observing him in general, is sure, He's like the successful white dude that you can easily hate on because blah, blah, blah. And like, yes, he's not perfect. He's made mistakes, whatever. But in the end, he's creating value for society. Like he's responsible for many technological advancements that is important for society. Like, yes, not everyone can afford a Tesla. Maybe you want to say that that's like fucked up, that he's like making cars and it's only for the elite. Okay, fine. But you can also look at it and say, it's important for society to advance technologically. It ends up benefiting everyone. And in the end, someone like him, or let's say even Jeff Bezos, they're providing some kind of value. They wouldn't be as successful as they are if they weren't providing value. And if they're providing value, it means that they're somehow serving other people. doesn't mean they're doing it hundred percent of the time. Like sometimes sure they're like quote unquote bad person or an asshole. They say something wrong that like we want to cancel them over, but you have to create value somehow. It's not a blanket. Like there's definitely successful people out there who I think are blatantly bad people, whatever that's, there's exceptions. I think that like, you know, somebody's value is, um, can be viewed in different ways. Like value to you might be different than what value looks like to me. So like everybody's providing what they believe to be valuable. So Yeah, I just think that, you know, somebody might think that Jeff Bezos is not providing value because of like 
you know, all of the eco and climate change and things like that. But then somebody might be like, this is really valuable to me because I live in the middle of nowhere and can't get stuff anytime. And so like, it's providing a service to me that's in, you know, in higher good for me. So yeah, value can look different to everybody. And I think that everybody in my prayerful, hopeful, maybe sometimes naive hope is that everybody is just doing the best with what they've got and is trying to be of service in the way that they view is the best way to be of service and the way that they can provide a service to the world. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I actually tend to take that view when I'm talking to someone that, or like, you know, listening to someone that I disagree with because today, especially, I think we forget that most people, if not all humans, except for maybe like actual psychopaths are desiring of happiness and safety and freedom. Like we all kind of innately want to be happy and we like want to feel safe and everyone's just doing it in the different ways that they believe. And so when we think about like these really divisive topics that we're faced with today, like I always remind myself, yes, maybe they were corrupted along the way. Maybe they've been skewed to think that a bad thing is actually good. Cause that happens too, just because of the way we've been raised or experiences, like we get kind of jaded, but to remember like the humanity in everyone and to be able to extend compassion to say they are trying their best with the tools that they have and with the things that they know. And if we remember that, then we can like take away this idea of like other, they're a threat, they're bad, they're evil. And remember like, we actually all want the same thing. We're just talking about different solutions. And I feel like that switch helps you get into a learning framework when you're talking to someone or when you're like researching or listening to people is to remind yourself, let me fully understand where they're coming from and understand how they got there, why they think this way, instead of like pinning the idea to the person as like on you as um unbreakable, but like, that's not how it works. Like people have ideas that they change over time and them as an individual might still be a well-meaning person. They just maybe got lost or we don't, under, maybe they have a point actually. And we just don't see it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's doing what they know best with what they know, literally. And yeah, it's like staying open to listening to their perspective because it might just surprise you. Like, it might just surprise you rather than coming into everything with righteousness of like, I'm the only one who's right here. Like, I have all the answers. I'm already, you know, I've already studied everything and like know it right. And, I even, you know, even if you're really connected with yourself and what feels right for you, it's still educational to be able to understand why somebody else believes or is acting that way. Mm -hmm. So you can go into a conversation with openness and interest and curiosity without you having to think that you're going to change, have to change your mind just because you're listening to somebody else. And I think that that's what a lot of people are afraid of. And so we come into conversations with defensiveness, with our walls up of like, no, you're wrong like already presuming or protecting yourself by saying or putting that person in wrong they don't understand and like they don't know or like they're 
uneducated or whatever your belief is just what I guess it's like whatever you can do to make them wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever narrative you want to create to make them wrong rather than coming into the conversation of like I trust that they're doing what they believe is best for themselves and they've collected their information which they might have collected from a whole different place experience upbringing Mm-hmm. leadership viewpoint experiences than where I have been and so let me be open to understanding why they believe that way mm-hmm. and maybe actually they might share something with me which gives me hope or faith or a different perspective and so yeah I'm I have been righteous a lot in my life and it's not something that I've had pride in but I used it as a mechanism to protect myself versus letting my walls down and being vulnerable and honest and open about my truth. I would much rather just not have the conversation in the past of like, I just can't have this conversation because I'm going to get so into righteousness. And it brings up all of these like unsettling feelings of anger and discomfort and projection. And I don't even know what else, but yeah. And then I, I just wouldn't be able to have it. Whereas now I can really view somebody and like, Oh, I get it. Like, I understand why you believe that way or why you're doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with believing what I believe still and loving you equally just as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what people forget actually about why that, that tactic will actually work in the long run, even in the short term, to actually make it more likely that a person will change their mind. Because if you, this is what people, they're like, okay, that sounds nice. Like I'll learn, but like this person's still like fucked up and they're going to like make a bad policy in government, whatever. And it's like, okay, but think about this. If you change the way you came into conversations and you disarmed the conversation and made the person feel like, you actually want to know how they think because most of us go into conversation and sometimes we do this ourselves and not necessarily because the other person is attacking us, but because of like the state of the world, we go into it assuming that we're going to be attacked and assuming that we have to defend ourselves and that it's us versus them. But if you change the game and we're like, that is so interesting. I never thought of it that way. Can you tell me more about that? Suddenly it's like, oh, okay, let me open up more. And what happens is people let their guard down, and then they're more willing to see their own holes in their logic because they're not worried about defending and being and pushing themselves more into their way of thinking that they're like in like that fear complex because I think they're being attacked. But instead, if you're like calm and able to be like, oh, they actually want to know, let me just talk about it. People are more willing to see the own holes in their logic and are more willing to be like, yeah, this is like how I think of it. And so it will work to actually help people change their mind in the end. And like, it might not be that your goal is to change the person's mind or maybe it is. And if you do want to like, maybe hopefully sway someone, which is fine in certain contexts, people are not going to respond if they're being attacked. It's very rare. And if they do, it's because you coerce them. And that's, wrong and not going to be like sustainable. You probably shouldn't aim to coerce people. It's generally a bad thing, but if we change it, (laughs) if we go into it and are actually calm and not attacking people, I promise like people will be more willing to change their mind because 
I think we've all probably had our own experience of that and just understanding like the psychology aspect of it and like how we're feeling emotionally and like what our hormones are doing when we're feeling attacked and all these things, like eliminating that tenseness and being more open will actually produce the results we want. And that's how people are more willing to change their mind. It's hard to remember a time when someone was like yelling at you, berating you and insulting you and where you were genuinely like, "Mm, good point. I'm going to change my mind because I really (laughs) want to now that you've like destroyed all of my like positive feelings here. Like I feel like shit and I I feel good about your point now because you yelled at me. It doesn't work. Thank you so much for making me feel so incredibly small. I really believe in what you're saying now. I know. We just need to remember... I really think it's a function of compassion sometimes. And you can practice compassion. Like some people have it naturally. Like I think definitely some of us, whether it's nature or nurture are more inclined to be compassionate, but you can literally practice it. Like you can visualize and think about another person's suffering and another person's pain and try to take that on in your mind. And if you do that enough, again, unless you're, like a sociopath or psychopath, which most people are not, it works. And you can actually see the humanity in someone else and apply that to the way that you talk to someone. So powerful. So powerful. I love that. And yeah, it's like communication skills. So important. It's like understanding where somebody else is coming from and not trying to fix or make them wrong or even project your belief. Like sometimes it's just better to just be like, oh, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Letting it end there and like not having to fight a battle or project your belief instead. Just being like, oh, I love so much that you shared that with me and you felt safe to share that with me. I honor you in that. And like letting it just be that. Yeah. And then people will be shook because they'll be like, oh, (laughs) you're not going to like tell me what, why I'm wrong. Like, okay, cool. Like, That's nice. Yeah. And then you create such a safe space for people to share more openly with you again on like stuff that's coming up and you with them as well, because they don't feel like you trying to wrong them or fix them or shame them or yeah. Create something that isn't who they are. You're just honoring who they are and what they believe and allowing that to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did you, when you kind of, I don't know, basically when I responded to your Instagram story that you shared about just being more open. And I feel like then the next day you were like, actually people were really kind. And I found, found people who like were, even if they disagreed, were respectful about it. And that that's like one of the benefits that people forget about is when you actually tell the truth about how you think you're going to end up finding the people who sure agree. That's like all nice, but the people who disagree, but are appreciative of you telling the truth and being authentic, that's really, really valuable. Yeah. I think it comes back to like, not, not standing on like, this is the only way it's like, this is my way and your way is your way and that's okay. And I don't love you any less for whatever reason. And that story was about creating intimacy. So when we reveal our truth, 
we are so nervous to reveal our truth because we think that people can't handle it. So we'd much rather keep these walls up around of, of like, I've got my life together. I'm good. These are the positive things in my life. These are the only things that I'm going to share with you. Like if you think about communication, I mean, you're the expert on this, but when we talk with people, we're so quick to just say like, oh yeah, I'm good. Uh, oh yeah, this is going on in my business. Like I noticed myself do it the other day with my brother. He was like, how are you? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing good. I have like 55 women to sign up to my program and I'm going to America in two weeks. And the vulnerable deeper thing under that is actually like, I don't have a freaking clue what I'm doing with my life and I'm stumbling and trying on things and giving things a go. But we don't often actually say the deeper thing, the vulnerable thing. But when we do reveal ourselves, when we do reveal, you know, I've been feeling a little low today or I've been feeling ecstatic about this thing or I'm really proud of myself because I did this, this and this. Or I, you know, it could be anything. But when we reveal our truth, when we reveal the feeling, people get to actually feel you versus having these walls up of perfectionism and righteousness and you know, creative, everything good, they get to feel the truth. And in that vulnerability, that's when true intimacy and connection is created. Like I've been studying over the past year about like relationships and intimacy and sexuality and like feminine and masculine polarity. And this is like kind of a side note, but comes back into it because like in dating, for example, you might experience this with your boyfriend or if you're dating somebody we want to be like the cool girl, right? We want to be the cool girl who has it together, who's like easygoing, who's not too much, who doesn't ask for too much, who isn't too dramatic or too expressive or, you know, she's just like cool and like she's pretty and she's not like overly whatever. And the truth is, is that nobody is that. Nobody is that. Like that's not a reality. People pretend to be that. Of course, it's the easy way. However, if you want true intimacy and connection, you've got to share the vulnerable truth, which is like, oh, when you said that, it made me feel insecure. Um, I'm noticing that I'm desiring more time with you. And it's like, you feel raw and you feel naked and you feel vulnerable and you have no idea how this person is going to respond, whether it's your friend or it's someone you're seeing or dating or it's your mom or whatever, especially if you've had your walls up for your entire life and played things cool. And now you're like, oh, that really hurt me when you said that. It brought up so many feelings of unworthiness. Mm-hmm. And that's not you shaming the other person or making them wrong in their doing. It's just you expressing your truth. what would be blaming or shaming would be like oh how dare you say that that's really rude of you to make me feel unworthy it's like oh I'm just feeling unworthy in this moment and I'm gonna soothe this this feeling and the reason that we don't do this I was gonna say this earlier um I can't remember why or where but we're afraid of triggering other people in like whether it's our too muchness or in sharing a vulnerable feeling and making them feel bad for doing so because we feel that way when people do it with us like if somebody shared with me like oh I'm feeling you know when you said that it made me feel unworthy if I'm not right with myself and knowing that like I am not you know I'm not responsible for other people's feelings or reactions to the actions that I do 
I can improve, of course, and I can become better, but their reaction and response and feeling to how I show up or what I say is theirs to manage and maintain. Same with myself. Like if somebody triggers a feeling inside of me, it's not theirs to fix. It's not their doing wrong. It's mine to look at. And so we're afraid to trigger other people because we're not okay with soothing ourselves when we get triggered. But when we can become okay with that, we're actually less people-pleasing because we're okay knowing and trusting that they can handle their response too. Total side note, but that's how we, we create intimacy is definitely through revealing the truth, the deeper thing that we're denying or suppressing or pretending because we don't want to be viewed as too much or... Yeah, two out there. Yeah. No, I mean, it's spot on because that's the funny thing about taking on personal responsibility for your own feelings and understanding <laughs> like that you being triggered is not really the other person's fault. That's on you. But when you realize that and then you take ownership and you say like, oh, like the reason why I also wasn't being authentic, real with this person, let's say like with a partner you're like, that was my own doing because I get triggered when they tell me mm-hmm. honest things. But what happens is then you end up modeling the behavior that's more ideal. It's more productive because you show your partner, mm-hmm. like, it's like the simple thing of using the I statements. It was, this was like, I remember this was the first thing I learned in communication school as they were like, I statements are better because they're not attacking. And it's just being like, I feel unworthy because of this thing you said and you're not blaming right so then you're modeling the behavior back to the person that's like we can tell each other our feelings but not necessarily blame the other person just make them aware that something they did has triggered an emotion in us that we're aware mm-hmm. is ours to control but it's still valuable to tell the other person because they will take personal responsibility the way that we have to understand that Yes, it's their, you know, responsibility to take care of the emotion, but I have a a role in that. And that's the same thing. Like, because I understand my personal, sorry, my brother's in the kitchen. I don't know if you can hear the (laughs) rattling. Like when I take personal responsibility for my feelings, I actually then am more likely to take personal responsibility for how I make other people feel. Mm. It turns into a much more positive cycle, especially in a relationship Mm. when you can both realize that. And then it, it, things just get so much easier to solve because you're both in the responsibility game and you're both willing to be like, this is my feeling, but also like the thing I said, I can see how that made you feel X, Y, Z way. And even though that's on you, I'm going to do what I can to like reconcile that later on. Yeah. Nobody knows unless you share. So it's like, let them into your world, let them into like knowing what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they have no idea and they don't know how to change things or they don't know, you know, how you feel. And if you go first, they're more willing to open up as well and share. Mm-hmm. And I think as women, like it's our responsibility to express our feelings and to not deny them. And it's actually like a superpower. Like I was talking about this on my Instagram earlier of the power of like our feelings of being like, you know, today I was feeling anger and I was feeling rage and I was feeling sadness and I was feeling lost. And then I was also feeling expanded and excited and chaotic and like possible and worthy. And like literally all of these emotions within like two hours. And this is 
beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it. And we're taught that it's wrong and we should just be happy and we should just be grateful and we should just be thankful. And, you know, the goal is to be happy, which I believe, but I actually believe that the goal is to feel alive And that comes through feeling the waves and the emotions and the depths and the ups and the lows and all of it in between Mm -hmm. and not disapproving of it, but being like, this is my beauty. This is my actual power. And like, I should be proud and everybody should be proud to be able to feel because we've been taught so long to suppress. Mm -hmm. So when you feel it, it's like, fuck yeah, like, let's celebrate that. Like, I'm so proud of you for going there and actually allowing it and not denying it. It's like, that's beautiful. It's so powerful. Like, thank you for being a real freaking human. (laughs) So true. Yeah. And I realized that that's actually why I was explaining to a couple of guys like a, a few weeks ago, they were confused by this idea of like me making friends through Instagram. They were like, what? Like, how does that work? I don't understand. And I was like, oh, okay. First of all, I get that when you're like a a creator and you're like on the platform sharing vulnerably, it makes more sense. But that's actually why I feel like people are making pretty genuine connections with strangers on the internet, but it's because like we skip all the small talk and we go straight to the deep shit. Because if you're sharing on your story about something you went through or something you're thinking about, something you're passionate about, I respond to it and I'm responding. Like we didn't, we didn't have to stop and say, hi, how are you? Like, how's your needling? Like what are all these little things? We, like I didn't even know where you lived. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're like, I'm like, uh, what, what, what country is she in right now? It's like, you get straight to the deep shit. And that is actually mm-hmm. what brings people together. And that's what solidifies relationships and what makes human connection so beautiful is when you go there and when you go deep. Yeah. And the cool thing about- But I have like a a question on that is like, or a query on that is if that is like, if you notice, I'm not saying you particularly, but for anyone listening, like if you notice that your go-to is that you can get deep with people online, but not deep with people in person, see where your attachment is and why you're afraid to say the deeper thing. Because if you're only afraid, like let's say that you are having all of these vulnerable, deep connections with people online, you have no attachment to them. Like if they disappear, what does it matter? Like you just find another person online who's willing to have this deep conversation with you. Or you might not even ever meet these people online. So you have no like attachment to them. However, let's take your best friend from high school who you're kind of maybe codependent with, like you rely on her, like you, you know, you're together forever kind of thing. If you're not having the deep vulnerable conversation with that person, that's where you need to look at because that's where you're not allowing the actual vulnerability to come in. It's really easy to be vulnerable with somebody online, especially when you're talking to somebody, like when I'm talking to you, it's easy for me to share because I know that you get it. Like, I know that you get it. I know that you're in this work. I know that you'd understand. Like, it's really easy. However, with somebody who might not be in this work or might not understand or it feels like scary to admit the truth to them, that's why you need to look at why you're suppressing or where you're attached or codependent in the situation and fearful of their response, their reaction. Like, why are you people pleasing and stepping around the deeper truth? Even if it's like, I'm really feeling disconnected from you. I'm really desiring to 
see you more often or I've been noticing that you've been hanging out with this person more and I'm feeling jealous of that. Like sharing the deeper, honest thing that's coming up in that connection is something really beautiful to look at. And that's where actual intimacy comes from because I think that we're all craving deeper connection and intimacy. And yes, we can have it online and yes, we can meet new people and hopefully like these relationships we can bring to real life. But we're actually craving this so much more in real life and we're denying ourselves of it because it's scary to go there. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's so true that it's basically like both can be true. Like I think it's great that people have found connection via online platforms, especially if they are not in social settings as much because you can get really lonely. But it's so true that in the end, like you're just replicating a small version of what it really is in real life, which is the real like deeper one that really counts in the end. And it's so important to be like, if you are only being yourself in these like online forums, then you need to look at like, why aren't you doing that in real life? Because real life is where it's real time. There's a real life on time reaction. It has to be in all the contexts. If you're only being authentic in one context, like there's still something to look at because if you're, it's easy to do it when like you can turn the camera off and you can like log off for the day and you can have like three hours to respond. Right. But it's different when it's like live in real time. Like one thing, I mean, a, a step further is like this, right. Cause we're actually like in live form talking to each other, but then the step beyond that is like in person where you can feel the person's presence. Cause that's a real thing. Like yeah. feeling the person's vibration with you and reading body language and tone and all those things that we're losing here in the virtual format, even though mm. it's, not, it's pretty good, but yeah, you have to look at your willingness to be authentic in multiple contexts of life, not just the easy ones. Mm. That's a really important invitation into yourself. It's like, am I only being honest over text or in my Slack group with my work? And then when we go out to drinks, I'm like very, like, I won't say anything because someone could say something in real time or like I could mm. feel that they didn't take it well. But those are the contexts where it really counts is in real life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And like just being so okay with be, like saying, oh, I'm feeling like a lot of sensation right now. Like, do you mind if I just take a moment? Yeah. <laughs> and like making this the normal way of communicating. So rather than you just like responding straight away with something that's not your truth or not your reaction that you want to have and then regretting it, just being like, oh, I'm feeling a lot of like sensation coming up right now. I just noticed that I had a really intense reaction when you said that mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it's so vulnerable and so hard and so like disruptive to have this deeper way of communicating with people and letting them into your world like I just I'm coming to America into in next month and I'm staying with a friend and I'll just show a really beautiful example I asked her if I could stay for a week and she told me like, yeah, but I could feel this kind of, we were just texting, but I could feel this tension. And to me, I felt like she didn't actually want me to be there for a week. And then I went into like my whole sisterhood wound of people just accommodating me, but actually not wanting me there because this happened to me when I was younger. 
And I was like, oh my God, she's just saying yes, but she doesn't actually want me to be there. And now I'm feeling like I'm being a burden and I'm asking for too much. And this was my reaction, right? These are all of the internal thoughts that are coming into my head. And rather than me just being like, oh, don't worry about it. Or like, oh, I'll stay somewhere else or like going through with it, but being there and feeling tense about it. I just shared with her like, hey, I'm just feeling a little bit off. Is there a disconnect here? And she shared with me, oh, you might be feeling like that I'm just overwhelmed at the moment and there's a lot going on in my life. And so I shared with her, oh, I could definitely feel that. And what I'm noticing for myself is that in me asking you this, I'm nervous to be a burden. So will you, like, can I fully trust in you that when you say yes, you're okay with me saying that, that that's a true desire and something that you're truly okay with. And she was like, oh, thank you so much for sharing that with me absolutely. I can't wait to have you here. I'm just like running around at the moment. So I'm sorry if you felt that in my response, like I can't wait for you to get here. I absolutely, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And we got to like have this deeper conversation of like, this is what I'm feeling. Can you reassure me that everything is okay? That's not wrong for you to feel that way. It's very normal for you to feel maybe a burden or maybe you're asking for too much or maybe, you know, you feel unworthy or you feel a weird reaction to their response. And let them into that so that you can get the answer and the truth that's there versus you creating a narrative in your head of like, she doesn't actually want me there. She doesn't, you know, she's just saying yes. And she got to say to me, like, you can trust me. Like I have, you know, I've got clear boundaries and I'll tell you no, if like, if it's not okay. And I got to surrender in that and be like, okay, like I'm going to have full faith and full trust that, you know, you actually are telling me the truth. And I got to let her in on my experience. And so it's just kind of having this deeper connection and deeper conversation so that you can relate and have a stronger relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you, if you don't say it, how will anything change? We're afraid of it, but it always ends up somehow being better. I'm going to quote Tony Robbins again, because last night I watched his documentary. It's actually from 2016. And I only just got around to watching it. It was amazing. I cried, but he says something about, it was actually like a piece of advice for this girl who needed to talk to her father. And he was like, even if it's not peaceful, it will bring you peace. And I was like, yes, like that is such a good way of explaining why even having a hard conversation even if it's going to be painful and difficult and like uncomfortable and all those things, it will end up making you feel better. Even if it's not peaceful, even though it was scary for you to say that and to open up and be vulnerable, you ended up feeling better. That is why it is so worth telling the truth and being authentic and being unapologetic about how you really feel. Because after the initial event, the initial interaction is over, you're left with the feeling of peace because you got it off your chest and you were actually being you. And Mm -hmm. it was just so powerful to hear it in such a like simple way. Like even if it's not peaceful, it will bring you peace. And that's what matters. Yeah. It's like when you name the the feeling, like, you know, we were saying with all of the sensation rising and then you say like, oh, I'm feeling this, whatever as soon as you say it, the sensation dissipates because it's no longer this massive deal. It's like, I've just named the thing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> just needed to share. Yeah. Just needed to let it out. And the sensation really does dissipate. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, we hold 
so much. This is this is actually why it makes you sick, literally, mentally, physically, and like mm. on a soul level too. But you know, for people who it physically will make you sick to hold things in because you are. I want to get someone on here to explain scientifically what's going on there, but I've heard doctors talk about this and how, why being authentic is a legitimate form of medicine for you. Because Mm. when you let the things out and you're actually being you and saying things and acting in ways that are in your own truth, it's so fucking liberating. And if you don't do that, you're making yourself sick because you're pretending and you're doing things for other people and you're not letting it out. It's such a huge, important thing beyond just like with friends and whatever, and like to have interesting conversations, like for your health, you have Mm -hmm. to be authentic or else you will not feel the, like you will not be your full self. And it, it matters. Like the mind body connection is no joke. Literally. I'm sure it's probably like a chemical like imbalance. I think um, that's probably why somatic like healing is so important because you're literally going back to the pain and the feeling and then rewiring it and like releasing it. So yeah, I would be so fascinated to understand that better too. Yeah. Yeah. This was amazing. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm so glad that you were just like, want to talk about it on the pod? And I was like, yes, let's go. That's like my favorite way to plan things out. Someone's just like, are you down? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking down full body. Yes. Let's go. Love that so much. I mean, at the beginning I was like, so are we recording? Oh yeah. I just, I just go in. Like I, I think some, some people like to do like more of like planned interview style, whatever, but I don't know. My thing is, I'm just like, let's just fucking roll with it. Like we just chit chat. We'll just see where it goes. Yeah, because you're like usually you're having a conversation before the podcast starts, and then it's like, oh, that would have been so good on the podcast. Oh yeah, I just I end up recording the whole thing. Maybe it's good to do an intro first and be like, here's the plan. But I end up just I'll like probably I loved it. I'll probably start it a couple minutes in, but I find it's good to just get the ball rolling and then go live, and we just see what happens. I do want to give you a second to, if you do want to plug any of your stuff where people can connect with you, anything you're working on, anything exciting you want to share, definitely go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm launching a group coaching program in at the end of October. So all to be revealed around that. And I don't know when, when is this going live? Um, Probably within a week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely. And every month I run a clarity class, which is basically on the full moon. I basically create the space for you to get clear on what it is that you want. What's no longer in service of you. We do a journal exercise, we do a breathwork exercise, we do a little meditation. And it's your commitment and your dedication to yourself to actually create the space because we always say we're going to, and then life gets busy and we do this, this, and this. And so you get guided through it. You commit to it. It gets done. And that's really fun. And I'm launching my podcast on October 4th. So that'll be coming soon. And you can connect with me on Instagram. My name is Danielle Hatton. And I'm sure you'll like tag it in the in the description. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. That's great. Yeah, I'll I'll link all that stuff. You guys go check her out. She's fucking lit. And you just had an authentic real hour and a half conversation. So we're good to go. We know all about you now. <laughs> so good. Thank you for having me on. This is beautiful. I yeah. love all of the work that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Oh,